0: Anybody excited to be in God's house today? Come on, put your hands together, make some noise. So good to see you, so good to be worshiping with you. I'm glad to be here too, and I want to look right in the camera and welcome all of you joining us on the other sides of computer screens and cameras and our phones and tablets everywhere, knowing that you're, you're in some place nice and warm and cozy today, but you're missing it because if you're not here in the house of God, it's just something powerful that happens when the people of God come together, and uh, we are in week two of a series that we're calling All In, and I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but before we do, I did Want to mention briefly that that season that we're in, you heard Deborah talk about that, that we are in a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you're new to Five Stone Church or you haven't been, able to jump on board with us yet, uh, I want to invite you to, to join us out uh, every night, Monday through Saturday from 6 to 7 p.m., and we are j- just meeting together, and we're pressing in and praying, and it's been so, so good, and so I'd love for you to be there uh, to join us with that. It's just an incredible time, and um, uh, if, if you haven't ever uh, fasted before or don't know anything about that, our website has got all kinds of great resources and information about that. You just go to Five Stones family.com/resources tell you all kinds of stuff about that. But we are in week number two of a series that we're calling All in, and, and we're looking at what would your life really look like if, if you really went all in with Jesus? I mean, like completely just gave him your entire year. And uh, I, I believe we said this last week that this could be your best year ever. I really do mean that. I I believe this could be the best year of your life, despite whatever is going on around you, no matter what's going on in the economy, no matter what's going on in the world. This could be the best year of your life. But in order for that to happen, it's got to be your best year spiritually. For it to be the best year of your life, it's got to be your spiritually best year first. I believe that everybody here under the sound of my voice was created by God on purpose for a purpose. I believe that God's got something for you. In fact, I believe you were created not for survival but for significance. And there's so many people that walk through this life and they have no idea why they're here. Now, now you may know exactly what the dream is that God placed on your heart. And maybe you're walking into that or possibly you're doing what a lot of people have done, which is you know the dream but you've laid it down. And you haven't really pursued that dream in a long time. Or it might just be that you have no idea what it is that God has put on your, your heart and what, what, what God wants for you this year, and, and you're not even walking into that. I, I believe Mark Twain might have said it best when he said the, the most in two important days of a person's life are the day that they're born and the day they find out why. I think that's true. I think it's really important because God does want to help you. And today we're going to talk about those that are chasing after a dream. Or maybe you haven't realized what it is today. I want to help you find out what that dream is and, and make it a reality in your heart. Maybe this is the year that you see God start to move in your life in that way, and you can start to see the dream that God has for your life become reality. You know, there's a, there's a Hebrew word you know, for dream or vision. It's the word kazon, And when I read that at first, I just, just jumped off of me. I thought, that sounds beautiful. It sounds delicious, but I think I thought it said calzone, and it might have been the fast talking. I don't know. But but I am saying that, that God does have a calzone for you, okay? He's got a beautiful dream for you, and, and maybe it's, it's something that you have a picture of, like a, a dream for your family, or a dream for your marriage, or, or a dream for your career, or maybe it's a new business that you want to start, or, or maybe it's something that, like a ministry that you want to start walking into, and, and whatever it is, I think it would be crazy to realize that, that the God of all creation, your designer, the God that puts you together, that knits you together in your mother's womb, that had something in mind for you to do before he ever created you, it would be crazy to think that all that is true... And not do anything about it. And yet so many people do that. They just do the same thing day after day. They wake up, you know, go to work, pay the bills, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. And I'm just saying that God has got this incredible dream and plan for your life. There, there was a guy in the name of, by the name of Abram in Genesis chapter 15. And God had a vision for his life. And God started to share this vision with him. And and, um, and it was an incredible vision. It was an amazing vision. In fact, God later changed his name from Abram to Abraham because of that vision. The vision that God had for this man's life was something radical, mind-blowing for him. Because he said, in the vision that you're, you're one day going to have so many descendants, they're going to be like the stars in the sky or the sand in the sea. And that was really incredible for Abram because he and his wife were suffering with infertility. So they didn't have one kid let alone enough to fill up the sky or the seas, right? And so that was really shocked to him when, when God gave him this vision. But, but can I tell you something? Whatever God's vision is for your life, it's always going to be bigger than what you think it is. The picture of, that God has and the dream that he has, the zone that he has for your life is always going to be vastly larger than you ever think that you could accomplish by yourself. And there's a reason for that. In fact, God changed his name Abram to Abraham because Abraham means the father of many nations. I think sometimes God will will radically change your life so that you can realize that his vision is is superior to anything you think. Just think about that. Every time he walked around, people would say, hey, father of many nations, come on in, have a cup of coffee. Hey, father of many nations, can you give me a hand carrying this? Father of many nations. Everywhere he went, people were proclaiming the word of God over his life. See, God has got a vision and a dream for your life that he wants you to not just know about, but to start walking into. So, in, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. By the that's the language of God. Visions and dreams and creative ideas are, are how God gives this vision, this kazone to you. And so he wants to show him this. And he says, but before he even gets into the vision, I think what's really interesting is he says these three things. These are really powerful. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. So this vision that God has for him is a massive vision. It's an incredible vision. We still talk about Abraham to this day. He's the father of our faith right? And we still talk about him. And so he has this amazing vision, this plan for his life. It's incredible. But before he goes into any of the details of it, if you'll allow me to take a little bit of liberty with scripture, it's almost as if God says, you're on a need-to-know basis, bro. And frankly, you don't need to know. <laughs> like, you don't need to know all of the details. I think because sometimes if we got the full picture of what God has for our life, we'd say, whoa, that's a little bit too much for me. That seems a little too scary. But but instead of that, what God, what God does is he begins. To prep Abram for this dream, and he starts giving him these these three things to 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 understand and to co- start to consider. And, and I want you to notice this: that God doesn't ever waste a word. He pay attention to every word that He says. That God says to Abram in this dream that He's going to give him a vision that is literally going to change the world. And God says these three things. And the first thing He says is, "Don't be afraid." Can I tell you this? Whatever it is that God's going to put on your heart, if it's a big dream. A radical dream. It's it's most likely from God. If it's something that you say, I, I can't possibly accomplish that on my own. Whatever it is, in fact, anything that God puts into your hands is going to require faith. It, it's absolutely gonna require faith. And, and, and if it's faith and, and faith is required, then that means it leaves no space for fear. I'm preaching about 62.5% better than you're responding. It's okay. I'm fine with it. I, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I can do it too. Come on, Pastor Tom. You're doing a great job. Come on, keep it up, Pastor. Amen. Got it. No Now, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to unpack three things. And these three things, I want to help you. Okay? These are the three things that God told Abraham as he prepped him for this message. And I think they're things that can help us too. So the first thing he said is don't be afraid. Write this down in your notes. Number one, choose faith, not fear. we got to choose faith over fear. See, when God prepares us for a dream, the first thing he's going to say to you is you got to choose faith and not fear. And, and I think if I had a concern at all with the, with the Capital C Church today, it's this problem. This would be the problem that I have because and we would never say this, but, but I look at people and I see how they interact and, and stuff like that, and I just see this a lot. What we say is the default position for a good believer is safety, like, like that would be good. It's like, thank God he saved me. I thank you, Lord, that you saved me and rescued me and redeemed my soul. Now I'm going to hang out here and I'm going to just, let's huddle up and just ride through this until Jesus comes back. That'll be fine. And, and every so often, I'll exercise my faith. Like, I'll, I'll step out there, and, and I'll help feed the poor, and, and I'll go do a serve day, a Saturday. For Saturday serve, I'll go out and do that. And, and maybe I'll tell somebody at work and about our church and invite them to come. Or maybe I'll even share my faith with somebody or help somebody in need. But as soon as I'm done doing that, I'm going to run back to my, my safe place and my comfortable place. And I'm just saying, that's a massive missed opportunity because I believe that that our faith, it was entitled, it was intended to impact the world. That's what God wanted us to do with our faith. Our our faith was was meant to, and and it always starts with prayer. Every every massive move of faith begins with prayer, which by the way, that's why we're praying for 21 days. We start off the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And and so it starts with prayer, but the, the truth of the matter is, is changes don't come until we put feet to our prayer until you put words and you put actions and you put resources to your prayer. And I listen, I want you to hear my heart for you this year. This is my, my hope, that you would pray radical prayers. I mean, pra- prayers that are, that are just radical and that God would use you to fulfill them. That you would be the answer to the prayers that you pray. Like you're praying prayers like, God, reach this city. God, impact this nation. I look around and I see things that are happening, and I know that's not from the Lord. And I just watch our world and what's what the state of the world of what it's in today. God, change it. And I think God's like, yes, absolutely. That's a prayer I can get behind. It's you and me, partner. Buckle up. That's what God wants to do in your life is he wants to use you to be the answer to it because faith is not an exception to the rule. We are to be an example of the rule, of faith. We are believers and believers, we operate in faith. In fact, I heard it said this way one time that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. That's risk if you're from Alabama. like Those of us, sorry. Uh, uh, hey, I, I'm from the... Uh, but listen, the, the truth is, is God wants to step out. He wants to have a little bit of risk, right? Risk, faith requires risk. When I think about the risk, I think of the New Testament church. And, and they were right there in the beginning. And, and there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was incredible. It was amazing. But, but the truth of the matter is, even though they, they had this incredible moment with God, the, the, the impact didn't happen until they left that upper room. See, I think so many Christians think of the Christian life, the bulk of the Christian life happens in a building on Sunday. And I'm just here to tell you that that the Christian life happens outside of this building. Monday through Saturday it's when, when, like it's important that we gather together. I, I think, I, I feel like I'm like, yeah, anybody ever watch Rocky? You remember the movie Rocky? Yeah. And, and Rocky had the old guy in the corners played by Burgess Meredith and he was just kind of a rough cat. You know what I mean? And, and he would like, whenever Rocky was getting beaten and belted and pelted when he got really bad and he get, came to his corner the old man would look at him and go, you got this kid. You know, like that, that's what I feel like my job is. is is to, to give you some, some grit, man, to get you back in the ring because Monday's coming and we got to get back in the world and that's where the bulk of the Christian life happens is out there. The church begins to, the believers actually experience the move of God when they leave this church building and they head out to work and they move into the streets because I believe this faith, not fear, is supposed to be our default position. I'm going to say that again. As believers, faith Not fear is supposed to be our default position. How do I know this? Because 1 Timothy says it this way. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. I've heard people tell me all the time over the years, they'd say, Pastor, I had this dream from God last night. I'm pretty sure it was from God. It was terrifying and and awful. I was scared to death. And and the first thing I do is I say, nope, that wasn't from God. They, they, they look at me like I got lobsters crawling out of my ears. Like, how do you know that wasn't from God? Because God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. He doesn't give us fear. In fact, there's one verse that says his love drives out all fear. And so if you want to live this life in a fearless way, you got to go all in. And what does it mean to live a life without a, in, in, a, in a, a fearless way? Here's what I say you do. Just pray to God that he would give you such a love for people around you that you'd stop thinking about yourself. Like, if, if you would do this, like, you'd say, God, I just need the love for the people, the, a burden for the people that I stop thinking about myself. Like, I, I start thinking about right now. Like, if I were to think about myself right now, I, I might lose it. Like, I crumble. Because I think, what are these people listening to me and, and looking at me for? Like, I know all these things. There was a part in my life, a time in my life where I felt like, man, I gotta have it all perfect. I gotta have it all lined up. And then I just stopped and realized. I said, God, uh, it's not about me. Just give me a love. And, and, and so what I do is I stand up here, and I'm moved by the love of God for you. And instead of being concerned about myself, I start praying, God, would you just use me today to say something that would help somebody? See, that's what God wants to do, is to choose faith over fear. And the moment that you start to feel fearful, you just remember that God has not given me a spirit of fear. He gave me power. He gave me love. He gave me a sound mind, but he didn't give me fear. Now, now, the, the truth is, and, I, and please don't misunderstand insanity for spirituality okay like if you ever known those people that, they say like man i got this dream and then they go set off on some crazy thing and they have no plan whatsoever but hey it's god and you're like wow they're so spiritual no maybe they're just crazy like, like, that happens sometimes. Like, is it God or is it gas? Something's moving, but I don't know what. You know, like, maybe it's just bad beans you had yesterday. I don't know if it was God, you know. Some people just say, like, oh, I've heard from the Holy Spirit. And they go charge after something with no plan. And God gave you a sound mind, right? Makes me think of this woman I heard. And she she saw all about ice fishing. And, and she saw all of this. She was watching a show on YouTube and saw, talked about ice fishing. So she gathered all of her stuff. She went out and bought all the gear. She got all the stuff. And, and she went out there to a local place that had ice. And and when she went out there, uh, she came out and she spread out all of her gear. And she had a nice little thermos for chocolate milk, hot chocolate. And and she had a comfy little stool. And and she got out there and she got it all set up. And then she took her saw and she started to saw into the ice. And as she sawed like a perfect circle like she had saw on YouTube, as soon as she was cutting into it, she heard a voice loud that seemed like it came from heaven that said, there are no fish under the ice. And she stopped. And she thought, oh my gosh, this must be the Lord directing me. She gathered up all her stuff and she went a little bit further into the the ice and she found another spot and she set it all back up. And before she could even put the saw to the ice, again, she heard this voice coming from all around her that said, there are no fish under the ice. And she was startled. She picked up her stuff. And she, this time, she's a little bit frustrated. She went all the way to the other side where the ice is. She put all her stuff out there, gathered it all around. And this time, she started to go. And before she did, again, the voice came booming uh, all around her. It says, there's no fish under the ice. And so she, she was startled. She stood up and she said to the heavens, Lord, is that you? And, and the voice came back and said, no, I'm the manager of the ice skating rink. There, there's no fish under I, that's funny. I don't care what you think. <laughs> sometimes we think we hear from God, but but we're actually not. Like, this is why you have to have those mentors in your life, those people you love and you trust, that you could bounce these ideas off and say, hey, I think, I think God's given me this dream. I think he's put this on my heart. And they could say, yeah, I think that's from the Lord, or they can help you. But sometimes we, people think they're, they're spiritual and they're actually just crazy. They're just not hearing from the Lord. Now, I will say this. There are going to be times where God calls you to a radical move, to do something that is that by the world's eyes, they will look at it and say, man, that's risky, dude. I don't know if I'd do that. Like, that's crazy because faith is important. The Holy Spirit gives you a sound mind, but God will require you to step out in faith. In fact, if I could be bold with you this morning, you want to go all in with God? You want to see God do something in your life that you've never done before? You want to see something, a move of God in your life this year when you go all in? It will absolutely 100% of the time require a move of faith. It's going to require faith in order to get that place with, with God. How do I know that? Because Hebrews chapter eleven six 6 tells us this, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So it's not possible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It didn't say it's challenging. It didn't say it's difficult. It didn't say it might, might happen. It said it's, if you want to please God, you've got to have faith. Now, here's the thing. There's two kinds of sin. The one kind of sin we know about, right, it's the sin of commission. That's when you do something you you know you weren't supposed to do, but you do it anyway. The book of, of James actually says that. If you do what you know you're not supposed to do and you do it anyway, that's sin. And so you commit a sin, right? That's the sin of commission. But there's also the sin of what? Omission. Right? That's when you know you should do a good thing, but you don't do that good thing. Right, So you, instead, of, instead of willingly committing a sin, you just don't do something that is good. That's the sin of omission. But I actually think there's a third way. There, I, I think there's a third way that you can sin, that you could wake up in the morning, and for a 24-hour period of, of time, you, you could do no wrong thing. You could go through and, and do everything right, not a single wrong thing, and still be in sin because it's not done from a standpoint of faith. Here's how I know. Romans 14, 23 says, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. See, there's a dream that God has for you, and it may be risky. It may be challenging, but you've got to reject fear. Walking into the dream that God has for you will require you to throw fear down and trust God. That's why it's impossible to, to do anything that would please God without faith. So God told Abram, he said, don't be afraid. He, and, and then he said, I'm your shield. Here's the second thing I want you to write down today. Number two in your notes, God will defend your dream. Let God defend your dream. That's what he wants to do. God prepares us for a dream, and then he says, let me defend it. In fact, I want to be the one that defends it, not you. I, I think it's really important that, that all through our life we remain teachable that we have these mentors in our life, these people that we can rely on and and we can trust, and we trust them enough, and you should have these people in your life that they'll tell you even the hard things, the things you don't want to hear, and they're there to speak to you. I think it's important that we have that, but I'm talking outside of that group of individuals. I'm talking like, like when you have the courage and the faith to step up and, and start walking into the dream that God put on your heart, you know what's going to happen immediately when you have that, that, that vision for, for your life? Then immediately what happens is the haters and the critics and the social media, media terrorists are going to come out. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like they just come out of nowhere. Like they, they just are. And, and I, I think it's like, in fact, I think it's one of the ways you know that you're serving God is when these things happen. Now, now that was tough for me for, for a long time. Because if I could be honest with you, for for a long time, I, I'm a fan of Tom Watson. Like, 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 I, I like Tom Watson. I like me. I, I, I love me. I, I think. Uh, God uh, And I like to be liked like, like anybody else, right? And I think God gives me good ideas, and I, just like you. And, I, and when I share those ideas and I feel like, man, I'm, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to tell some people that I think God's laid on my heart and talk about. And when I, when I start to do that, it was a shock to me when I get like a nasty email or a direct message that like, you're blessed God, you're in the, in the devil. And, you know, and they tell me all of these things. And like for a while, that would really mess with me. Because I would think, well, if I have critics, I must be doing something wrong. And so then I would take this to mentors and leaders in my life. This is why it's important to have that group of people that you can bounce these things off of. And I would say, hey, this is what they said about me. And they'd say, no, man, I think you're hearing from God. Just ignore that and keep at it. But, but uh, and, and I'm talking to somebody because uh, th- there's this tension that you have to live in when you're doing something you know God called you to do. You just know in your knower. You know what that is, right? It's not here, it's not here, it's just like here. It's, I just know that I know I'm supposed to be doing this for God. And you've got to live in this tension between doing what God has called you to do and, and, and the disapproval of other people around you. And that can be challenging. For some people, that'll, that'll even shoot them down. Like, like, like they'll just freeze up on that. And the, you know what the first thing that I want to do? Like, when somebody shoots me one of these nasty mail or or, or direct messages, I want to get back on social media. I want to get on Facebook, and I want to just fire back at them, you know? And, like, tell them all of the verses starting in Leviticus, you know? Like, I'm just going to tell them, you know what I mean? And that's a brilliant thing to do. It's rational, right? Because everybody knows how many people change their opinion based on a good Facebook argument, right? It just doesn't happen. Like, I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen, right? Right? Some of you guys that were in a fasting period, you need to face, you, you need to do a fast to face bag, uh, Facebook. Because, like, I, I'm like, I hate listen, I, I'm a, a big proponent of social media. I think it's a great way to market the church and connect with people. But I also think there's a lot of room for evil inside of that thing. And, and so I, I think, like, maybe just taking a period where you disconnect from that could be helpful. But But sometimes I think... Like, it's important. What I'm trying to say is that you stay teachable, have those mentors in your life, and, and, and stay humble. But outside of that group, don't allow some, some haters and some critics to come against you and just shut you down. Because I believe the enemy of your soul will use that to stop you. Why does he do it? Well, the first thing he does to, to stop you is to distract you from your goal. Because the moment that you're thinking about defending yourself is moments that you're not working on the dream that God gave you. And the other reason he does it is to discourage you because he knows that if he could dissuade you or dissuade you, you know, it's like it, the, the dream that God gives you will inspire you. And it, when you're at home in like your favorite chair and, you, and you're and you praying, you start thinking about it like, man, what a dream. What a dream. Who would not like a dream like that? But then you find out who, right? And, and it can absolutely shut you down you can start thinking well maybe it's not as holy as I thought maybe this isn't a God given dream maybe maybe I should be doing something else and, and the strong leaders I, I think this is what God wants to say is God says don't allow the enemy of your soul to use that to distract you because strong leaders are the ones that stay enthusiastic. Some of the strongest leaders I know that despite what's going on around them, they can just stay enthusiastic because they stay focused on the dream that God's given them. You know, I think of the New Testament church, and I think like this this outpouring of the Holy Spirit back in the book of Acts. It happened to them. They were gathered together in this upper room. And by the way, they were united under one accord. This is why the Holy Spirit was able to do what he did. But he has this massive pouring out of of the presence of god there was no denying that the spirit of god was moving and and so peter gets up and he starts telling the vision he starts preaching the message he gets excited this is what god has said and immediately after he does that you know what happens the critics show up like all the haters and the critics they show up and they start saying oh these guys what are they talking about it's early in the morning and they're drunk right because you can't drink all day if you don't get started in the morning. You know what I'm saying? No, i was just kidding. It was just a joke. It was a joke. I thought it was funny. It's okay. Just send me an evil, hateful, direct message. I'll take care of it then. But, but, but I am saying like this. Like, like what they did is they weren't joking. They were saying, oh, these guys, they're, they're coming after them. And they're saying all these terrible things about these guys. And Peter addresses it. And I love what he does because the first thing he does is not defend himself. He lets God do that. He goes directly to Scripture. And then you know what he does next? He starts giving testimony. And that's powerful. That's actually the formula God gives us. If you've got a dream in your heart and you, you, see, you want to accomplish something for the Lord and he's put it there, the best thing that you can do is give testimony. Let me show it to you. Revelation 12, 11 says this. They triumphed over him. Who's him? The accuser, Satan. Because that's what he does. He'll just, he'll just stand all day and lob insults at you. Uh, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. This used to be a problem for me. That, that, that For years of my life, some of you know my testimony. When I was in high school, I, I claimed atheism. I didn't even believe there was a God. And so I would get, I, I would about to put my foot on a platform to preach, and all of a sudden this voice would come, and it sounded a whole light, lot like mine. And I'd say, who are you to talk to these people? Like, don't you remember the things that you said, the stuff That you believe? Like, who are you to be a preacher now? And I would think, yeah, that's right. How could these people even listen to me? And for years I had to fight that. And and what broke it free for me was that my God told me, listen, that's your yesterday. I redeemed your yesterday. I restored your yesterday. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And no matter what the enemy tried to do to use you or destroy you in the back, I'm going to make your misery your ministry. I'm going to put you in front of people and I'm going to let God be used by you. Come on, somebody. See, that's what God wants to do in your life, is he doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to elevate you. And this is the warfare that we do against the enemy. This is what God says to do, that we are, in fact, to go do warfare and, and not defend ourselves, but just Give our testimony. We start giving that testimony over and over and over again. God give you a dream. And if he hasn't given you a dream yet, I'm telling you it's coming. Pray for it. Seek it. Get that God vision in your life. And, you, and just be warned that as soon as you got it, the haters are going to come. The critics are going to come right behind him. Don't be discouraged and be distracted by that. Just keep giving the testimony. Remember the dream. This week we'll be celebrating uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, and and, and I I personally think he was an amazing man. He was a minister that that was doing his best to to carry out a vision that God had had on his heart and and stop the evil divisions that mankind sets up, and he was trying to do that, and when he did, what happened? The haters came at him from every angle, but but Dr. King did something that was different that that most people don't do today. Today we just fight fire with fire, right? You know what happens when you fight fire with fire? get a bigger fire and the whole world burns down. Dr. King said, you know what? I want to do something different. Instead of approaching it that way, I'm just going to approach it from nonviolence. I'm just going to keep building culture. I'm just going to keep sharing. He said, remember the dream. In fact, he had a speech. I, I have a dream. And he was sharing that with people. Because instead of fighting the haters in that way, he just gave testimony. I think one of the most incredible things that, that Dr. King said is is that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. See, the truth of the matter is, is when somebody threatens your dream, you can jump on board and be one of like fight the keyboard warriors, you know what I'm talking about? And like you could, you could fight them away or you could decide I'm going to build culture. I'm going to share the dream. I'm going to keep telling people what my testimony is. The truth of the matter is, is, is critics are never remembered in history. You, can you name me one good critic from history? no. Critics are never remembered. It's those that refuse to listen to the critics that get remembered all throughout history. Here's my last point. Number three, your dream is not your reward. You need to write that down. That's probably the most important thing that I could tell you today. Your dream is not your reward. Remember, God said, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Let me just tell you this. The fulfillment of the dream is not where the contentment comes from. The the fulfillment of the dream, the ultimate fulfillment of the dream is not your contentment. The truth of the matter is this true contentment comes from a different place. Now it can be gratifying. The dream that God put on, on my heart and Deborah's heart was Five Stones Church. And it's it's super gratifying to watch something else happen where a life gets changed, where some other cog in this mechanism that God is creating. There was a time where, where this church was just a dream that we had, that when we spoke too loudly, it might fade away. And, and, and when I see God do something else with it, I get excited because there's a portion that's happening. But the truth of the matter is is the fulfillment of this dream is not where I get contentment the contentment comes from a different place I I have seen people in my life I've known people that by the world standards they had a, a vision that they felt felt like they should were put on this earth to do but really it was rooted in human desire and they got to the end of that dream and they had by the world standards everything that anybody could ever want and you would think man they've got it all and they were empty you know why because they were running after the vision. And and true fulfillment doesn't come from the fulfillment of a dream because that's not what fulfills us. You know what fulfills us? The presence of God in our life. That's what he was saying to Abram. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that every one of the heroes of the faith, every one of those cats... They went on to heaven and, and met everyone, not with no exception, every single one of them breathed their last breath, still believing, still waiting for their dreams to be fulfilled. Not one of them. It didn't happen in their lifetimes. No exceptions, and it, you won't be an exception either. And when they got to heaven, the Bible says they form a cloud of witnesses that they're up there and they're cheering you on and they're watching you take another step. It's like they, they saw a partial fulfillment of the dream and you and I will see the other partial fulfillment of the dream and together we'll watch God completely make this perfect dream come become a reality because it's his vision that we get to be a part of. And man, isn't that beautiful? It's almost as if to say God's too big for any one generation and he wants you to be part of his incredible dream. And at the end of the day, isn't that the point? Because faith, the the dream, is just a mechanism for the faith. That God wants you to increase your faith. And the fulfillment of the dream will never be a reward. Actually, he told Abram, he didn't say, I'm your reward. He says, I'm your very great reward. You say, why why are you talking about this today, Tom? Why why are you talking about dreams and and visions and mindsets and attitudes, like heart attitude? Why, why, Why talk about that? Because I believe, church, that this could be the best year of your life. I believe that we're, we're on the cusp of seeing breakthrough at Five Stones. I, I think this year is going to be the year that God releases visions and dreams to so many of you that you begin walking into a new purpose, a God-given dream. But in order for that to happen, in order for that to be a reality, you got to say yes to God. you got to say, I'm not going to be willing to give in to fear. I'm going to choose faith over fear, I'm not going to get discouraged when the haters come my way, I'm going to let God defend me and be my shield and I'm just, the moment that they start coming uh, opposition comes from my me, I'm going to have testimony, I'm going to allow the testimony of God to, to excel me for it and I'm not going to wait 10 or 20 or 30 years for fulfillment, because the fulfillment isn't going to come from the dream I'm going to let the, the presence of God actually bring me that fulfillment I'm going to call on Him when He's near I'm gonna, I'm going to seek His face Because in the end of the day, it's really all about God. It's really just about Him. His presence, His nearness. It can't be about material stuff or even experiences that you get because all of those are temporary. Ever hear the phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins? I remember hearing that as a kid. And I'll never forget, I saw a bumper sticker once. When I was a kid, I couldn't understand it. I thought, well, you messed it up. Because it said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. And now, I've walked with the Lord a little bit longer, and now I think there's a lot of wisdom in that bumper sticker. Because at the end of the day, every this is what every king, every president, every congressperson, every famous person, every ruler, everybody, every pauper, and every prince, we all realize this final thing. In the end, we all die. Aren't you glad you came to church? Get a little encouragement at this morning. But I'm telling you, every one out of every one of us die. But the truth of the matter is, this is what the the followers of Christ figured out, that there's something greater beyond me. It's the presence of God. I don't have to wait to get to heaven. I can have it right now. I can experience the presence of God in my life now. And I can experience God's, the the reward, the very great reward that he has for me. I don't have to wait. He's got that. And then when you have that, and to walk into the vision and the dream that God has for me. I've got the reward, and I get to work on God's plan. How amazing. David, once, King David, talked about uh, our Messiah in, in such a powerful way. And, and, and he, he said this, the, the God that we worship, he said this. He said, I saw the Lord. Man, this just makes me tremble. He said, I saw the Lord always before me. In other words, he says, when you when you feel his presence and when you don't, on the sunshiniest day of your life or the darkest moment for your soul. When you make Jesus Christ your Lord and and what that means is you give him complete control. And when you've accepted him into your life, it doesn't matter what it feels like that that, that you've got the presence of God, that he's always with you. Jesus said it this way, I'll never leave you. I'll never fail you. I'll never forsake you. And if you believe that, that he steps down into your soul and you have the presence of God no matter what you face. David goes on to say, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. What does it mean to have your tongue rejoice? It means I've got a glad heart, and my glad heart has got this place of expression. It's called my mouth. I'm actually happy when people talk to me. It doesn't matter if the world's falling down around me, if things are burning up around me. I'm fine. Why? Because i got the very great reward with me, and people are going to know it because I'm going to speak joy. I'm going to speak love. I'm going to speak hope because my God is with me and he's for me. If he's for me, who would dare be against me? And in the end, we win. This is what David is saying because God's got me. Now, David was a man that that experienced criticism. I mean, he was probably one of the most criticized men in in the world. He had plenty of people that opposed him and attacked him. And he, he no doubt lied awake in bed many a night, unable to sleep. I know he did because Psalms talks about it. He says he's lost weight. He stopped eating, stopped drinking because all these people, the rhythms of his life got disrupted by the haters and the attackers thinking about all this. But what does he say? He says, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He says, "Because I've got God in my life, my I, I learned this. When, when I learned this lesson, it changed everything for me. Because I've got the presence of God in my life, I can rest." Some of you, I, I believe, may have lost sleep, a lot of sleep, because of anxiety. And if you'll just learn to get back to a place where you can say, "God is always before me," you'll find rest for your soul. And believe me, God, God is not far away. He is near, especially to the brokenhearted. He says, All you gotta do is cry out to me, and I'll there, I'm there. And the nearness of God is there, and He'll never abandon you. This is the reward. This is the reward, the reward that we could receive today. And that joy, once you have that joy, true fulfillment is found. Because so many of us are going after all we can this year at the total wrong object. It can't be about the stuff. Here's what Jesus said. He said it this way. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose their soul? In other words, what is Jesus saying? He's saying, what happens if you woke up tomorrow and you got everything you want, but you didn't have a relationship with me? Like, you you can get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, right? But if you don't have Jesus, well, you know what you got? A big old empty can. You got nothing. And God's just saying that, listen, I want, here's the thing. I want this to be the best year of your life so far. I want 2024, when you get to the end of it, to say, man, that was the best year I've ever had. And I believe that's true for everybody here, and they can, but but it starts with inviting that presence, that life-changing, life-altering presence into your life. Because if it's a God dream, He'll make sure that it gets fulfilled. If He's over it, it takes all the pressure off of me. I don't have to worry about that. It's God's dream. But what he wants to give you is the reward. He actually is the only guy in all of the universe that wants to give you the reward before he he asks you to do anything. He says, I want to give you this. I want to give you the peace. I want to give you the joy. I want to give you the hope. I want to restore hope to you again. I want to give that to you so that you can go and be the life change agent for this world. That's what God wants for you. And it requires you saying yes to his presence. Completely yes. Don't call him king if he's not allowed to rule. Don't say he's in control if you don't give him everything.